Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachna. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour, and today is Tuesday, July 25th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's choosing to join us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the two words that say start here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, And that chapter of the book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for almost 19 years now to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you choose to do that before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process. And it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. And we hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they actively engage the use of these tools. And secondarily, because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, we would appreciate you doing so by giving us a call at 563-999-3581. If you call that number and press 1 on your phone, it will put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I will turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code, and we can have a conversation. And we appreciate whenever anyone chooses to do that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work The intention we have with this work is to be of service, 
So if you're so inclined, please let us know how we can be of more service to you. We have plenty of time for conversation. Again, the call-in number is 563-999-3581. Call that number and press 1. Or if you're listening to the archives and you would like to have a comment or a question submitted or you'd like to make give a testimonial, you can send me an email at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org and or you can email Jeannie at J-E-A-N-I-E at whyagain.org. That's W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N dot O-R-G. And if we get a comment or question from you, we'll address it on the Internet show, and then as time allows, send you a message about what day and time your comment was addressed, and you can listen back for the feedback to the archives. Today's a Tuesday, so that means there will be a support group tonight. I am letting people know there will probably not be a support group this Thursday, the day after tomorrow, but tonight we do have a support group. It's absolutely free. All the information you would need to join us there is available on the MindShiftersAcademy.org website. It's a separate separate website from the Why Again website. It's MindShiftersAcademy.org, and there will be a separate page for the information, the login information for Tuesdays, and a separate page for the login information for Thursdays. And most Thursdays and most Tuesdays, we have been doing this for 19 years now, the Tuesday group anyway, and uh, I think 10 years for the Thursday group. So, Please either join us, feel free to join us tonight, or pass that information along to somebody you think might benefit from that information. And uh, again, it's available at mindshiftersacademy.org website. So, if no one raises a hand, we will probably go back into the lessons, the essays we were reading from the A Walk in the Physical book by Christian Sundberg. And the last essay we were reading was titled Becoming Comfortable with Uncertainty. And since that is such a hot topic and so difficult for so many of us in the Western world to even wrap our minds around how... How is it possible that uncertainty is something I could become comfortable with? How is it possible that uncertainty doesn't instantly produce fear? If you think about it, most of us have been trained to believe that we are afraid of the unknown. And as so many powerful teachings have pointed out for a long time, that's not really possible. I can't be afraid of the unknown. I can generate fear by projecting negative imagination, as Guy Finley would say. All fear is the product of negative imagination. I can imagine something negative and project it into what I, I don't yet know for certain. And yet, I can't possibly 
be afraid of what I don't know about. Because if I project positives into the unknown, I don't generate fear. I generate excitement. I generate anticipation. I generate excited anticipation. Thrills. Yearning, longing when I project into the unknown something positive. So the question becomes, how is it even possible to, to be generating comfort in the face of uncertainty? And this essay reads, Become at ease with the state of not knowing. This takes you beyond the mind, because the mind is always trying to conclude and interpret And it does that because it's been trained to do that here in the Western world. We aren't trained to listen deeply. We aren't trained to live in the question. We're trained to think we know the answer and or practice what we've been told is the answer and then feed it back to people in a certain pattern. But the mind has been trained to conclude and interpret And the mind that has been so trained has generated fear about the state of not knowing. You have already gone beyond the mind when you can be at ease without knowing. A deeper knowing is that non-conceptual, whatever we can't put into words, arises out of that state. That's a quote from Eckhart Tolle, he says, become at ease with the state of not knowing. When you do that, this makes, it takes you out of, out of and beyond your mind because the mind is always trying to conclude and interpret. The mind is afraid of not knowing. So when you can be at ease with not knowing, you've already gone beyond the mind. A deeper knowing that is non-conceptual will then arise out of that state. This essay goes on and says, In its desperate striving for control, the ego hates uncertainty. Because we have fear and ego, we have uncertainty. But the uncertainty that can occur within this veiled experience of this rigorous physical universe, that uncertainty is actually taking place within the larger context of spirit, and that is built on the law of love. Therefore, even when great uncertainty arises, we need not fear it. We are always in love's care. Uncertainty is an opportunity. As it arises, it provides valuable counter-pressure that can allow one to face and feel the real fear that is within. There is no shame in feeling fear when our physical life or stability is threatened. Even acknowledging that we feel it and allowing it to arise clearly is a step toward integrating it and healing it forever. While uncertainty may evoke the lack of fear of control or the fear of lack of control, which is the perception of powerlessness, that perceived lack of control is actually an opportunity. Power lies in accepting powerlessness. 
when that acceptance is not just an idea, but a deep personal surrender, then a true power is gained, regained, reclaimed. The process of becoming comfortable with uncertainty may not be a swift one, but that is okay. Every step toward conquering fear is accomplishing real work. It can potentially take many moments or many lifetimes to face and heal our deeper fears. Yet we need not be daunted by the scope, for there is immeasurable power in this present moment. What uncertainty is arising in this present moment for you? Whatever it is, be right here with it. Listen to your deepest heart and meet it as truly as you can. Do not fear. It is how the play on the earthly stage is arising for you at this time. Your inalienable power to choose has not been removed, and it never will be. Make a choice from love. Make a choice from courage, honesty, and non-resistance, rather than a choice from fear. The circumstances do not have to land in a certain way for you to be free or for you to be you. Spirit is with you. Indeed, the very source of all things is with you right now. In that, truly, when you see and feel that, what is there to fear? So, the goal, the invitation, the target is to become comfortable with uncertainty. As Rilke would say, to learn to live in the question without demanding an answer. And we have a hand up, area code 520. Is this Audrey? Yes, it is. Welcome. Dr. Tim, I cannot, and yet I can, believe the synchronicity. I have been dealing with a decision to move from my mobile home to independent living. I did all my homework and This past Saturday, I went to speak with them, and we got down to a question, and it's, why am I afraid? And I go, oh, my goodness. And the answer was, I'm afraid of the unknown and here you are talking about the unknown. What I did was I took out my five process reality worksheet. I worked through it. And then I just let, I, I, I let it go because I was experiencing a level of peace. And the next day, the answer came to me. And, um, and I'm going to go into independent living. 
and I told my children, my son, and I am so thankful for the process because it brought such clarity. And thank you. Uh, I, you know, sometimes I'm in awe of the synchronicity, and here it is that you're talking about unknown, and that's the very thing I was hearing. So I dislodged those negative emotions. Once they were dissolved, I experienced peace. The next day, it was loud and clear. Thank you, and I share the process with many groups that I'm involved with on Zoom. Blessings and peace. All right. Thank you. I'm glad it worked out for you, and I'll look forward to hearing from you, your updates about your your next phase of residency, and uh, um, blessings, and please feel free to keep us posted. It is um, one of my joys to be able to share a tool like this because it has literally helped me change my life for the better by leaps and bounds over the past 19 plus years. And um, and that's why I do the work I do and share when I do worksheets that I think are relevant and how we support people in doing the same work in the support groups. So, Andre, I'm glad that that's working for you, and I'll look forward to hearing updates as you see fit. The next essay in the list, if no one has a hand up or a comment, is titled The Absolute Versus the Manifest. And this essay reads, Consciousness itself transcends manifest experience entirely and simultaneously and without contradiction manifest experience happens and is real the absolute and the manifest coexist without contradiction this may seem like a contradiction to the duality focused thinking human mind however Because the thinking human mind deals exclusively with the world of the discrete, but the discrete, while real, is not fundamental. It's not our core being. It's not the basis of our existence. The manifest arises within the absolute. We could even say the manifest is made from the absolute. The mundane is made of the miraculous. Even as the absolute precedes the manifest, these levels of the absolute and the manifest are not discrete or separate. The manifest includes a myriad of forms of discrete experience. Reality systems within reality systems. Experiences within experiences. Quote, all that is close quotes, expands its nature 
through all of manifest experience. Spirit simultaneously fully transcends any given manifest experience, and yet that same spirit is fully within it. In very crude, dualistic terms, some manifest experiences or realities are experienced as, quote, closer, close quotes, vibrationally speaking, closer to the source, and others are experienced as, quote, farther, close quotes. Yet, simultaneously, the spirit can never be far from itself, just as the wave can never be far from the ocean. The human mind, conditioned by duality, tends to think in spectrums as if they were absolutes, and yet they are not. Beingness is richer and more complex than that. And what we crudely try to partition as the absolute and the manifest are not separate. They are one thing. This is another way to talk about what we read about in in a previous essay where it talked about how In order to perceive a paradox, one has to be looking at a highly restricted, partial view of all that is. When a person has complete vision of all that is, paradox is not possible. There will not be contradiction. There will only be seeming contradiction when one has a partial perspective, when one has a very limited perception, then one can generate all kinds of conflicts, contradictions, paradoxes, etc. But when when we step into knowing things at deeper and deeper levels, beyond just the highly restrictive input of the five senses, we experience the totality of life and there will be no contradictions. There will be no paradoxes. There will be no battles between one part or another. It's just a flow of life. The next essay is titled, The Joy of Truth, capital T, Truth. And the essay reads, The truth is wonderful. When we align with the greater truth, we feel great. Our true nature is the full bliss of being. And so that bliss shines forth when we are not separating ourselves from it by being associated with thoughts, beliefs, or self-perceptions that do not align with its loving, connected, free, and creative nature. 
if we are in alignment with the truth of life, its loving, free, connected, creative nature, then we feel great. We really know we are connected. We really know we are free. And we feel great when we really know that we are creative and powerful we feel great we feel great not just because these are nice ideas but because vibrationally within consciousness space they are a move closer to the truth of who we really are when we see the truth you know it when we feel the truth it feels right. If an idea doesn't feel right, it either isn't the truth or it simply conflicts with our current beliefs or perhaps both. Spirit rejoices in the truth, the truth of what is. The human personality struggles within the illusion of separation because separation is not a natural fundamental part of who the experiencer of the personality really is. Because in truth, there is no separation. In what is actually true, there is absolutely nothing to fear ever. If in any given moment we are not feeling that, it means we are associating with something that is not the ultimate truth. The truth is more wonderful than anything that can be said with words. Follow your deepest joy and you will know the truth. So there's a lot in there. The joy of truth. The essence of, I think one of the more powerful ways I heard this was in the, in the book, um, Jesus, My Autobiography. And in that book, it spoke so clearly about how our internal guidance system is our emotional state. And if we create a thought pattern, a belief, a pattern of activity that leaves us feeling a negative emotion, it lets us know. It, it instantly gives us that instant feedback that we're headed in the wrong direction. If we have a set of thoughts, if we take some actions, if we speak some words and they leave us feeling loving or positive emotions, we know we're headed in the right direction. When you know the whole truth, capital W-H-O-L-E, you will have joy. You will be joyful. You'll be in the flow of life because you'll be seeing the miracle of life expressing in, through, as, and around you moment to moment. You'll see yourself as a part of that flow. The next essay is titled, Yo, Have Fun! And the essay reads, On one hand, you take life too seriously. On the other hand, you don't take play seriously enough. This is a quote from Seth. And the essay reads, 
Images and form are simply the tools and toys of creation. Physical life is like a highly realistic and specialized game environment. You are not only allowed to play in it, you are encouraged to do so. Fun is worth having for fun's sake. The spirit is playful. Seriousness and fear are not native to what we are. On the other hand, fun, creativity, joy, expressiveness, spontaneity, and excitement are native to what we are, to what you are at your essence. So when we have fun, we're better able to sense what we really are. When we are acting in joy, others automatically are reminded of the joy in their own being. In this way, having fun itself is a form of service. When we act in free joy, and when we follow the excitement that is within us, wherever it may lead, we are aligning that is aligning with the deeper power that has given rise to this whole experience of form, form being existence in the physical realm. In other words, acting in joy and excitement is more than just fun. It is powerful. It is the power of creation. It is the clear evidence that creation is expanding in the moment. In the way of mastery, it talks a number of times. It reminds us, please, let not seriousness enter the mind. Please, play. Know that the truth of all that is, the one mind, the creator, sinks with playfulness, experiences with joy and aliveness. Let not seriousness answer or enter the mind. That's a tough concept for us in the Western world. And yet, books like The Way of Mastery think it is so important that they spend big chunks of chapters trying to bring that point home, trying to give us the motivation to explore it for ourselves, trying to give us ways to observe what is the impact of taking ourselves or our thoughts or our belief systems too seriously? The next essay is titled, The Peace of Non-Seeking. And the essay reads, The very act of seeking itself can be a move away from peace. In a sense, in wanting something, we are actually moving away from it because pursuing it is often done in the service of an idea that we lack it in the first place. In trying to become rich, 
we become poor. In trying to become free, we lose sight of the freedom we already have. In trying to become spiritually enlightened, we can become self-centered. Pursuing something to satiate a need is ultimately empty. All things are already present right now. There's no place we truly need to go. There is no thing we truly need to do. There is no object we truly need. There is no reconfiguration of play that is actually necessary. In knowing that completely and wholly, there is peace. There's an entire lesson on the way of mastery talking about we need do nothing. All events are neutral and you need do nothing. This many people with Western mindset hear that and interpret it as saying, oh, they're telling us we should just go in a cave and sit or lay on the couch and eat garbage food while the TV blares in the back. That's not what's being said there. What's being said is you are choosing in each new present moment where you focus your conscious awareness. And in that process, you're creating your experience of life. You're creating your meaning of life for yourself. And so you don't need to do what somebody else tells you to do. And yet you're free to be and exert that spiritual faculty of will. The essay goes on and says, In hearing that there's no place we need to go, and there's no thing we need to do, and there's no object we truly need, we may decide to even reject seeking itself. In parentheses, it says, a new thing to pursue or reject. Close parentheses. But rejection is not the way. The way transcends and yet can arise within all of the objects, all the paths, and all the searches. The truth is actually not an abstract or faraway thing. Rather, it is the closest thing to us. We simply need to be. Be. Just be. You are, and that is more, more and more, it's more important to just be. That's more than enough. Be here. Be here today. Be here now. Give the world the gift of your attention and your full presence with no seeking required. In the end of all seeking, we we arrive and realize we never left our point of origin. There is a way to experience life that understands each of us is creating our own meaning. Each of us is creating our own experience of life in each new present moment. 
And if I don't like what I'm experiencing, I am free to construct a different experience. The strange thing, I think, is that for the Western mind, it begins to think that because it's been so thoroughly conditioned to expect that there is a right and there is a wrong way to do something and that if you do the right thing you get rewarded or at least left alone and if you do the wrong thing you get attacked or punished. And the Western mind that's been so thoroughly trained into that dichotomy has a very hard time understanding that it's all happening within the mind that's creating the concept. So, if I need to do nothing, and if there is always joy for me to to access... I need, in order to to get to that level, I need to be able to question a whole panoply of beliefs that have been programmed into me. I need to take responsibility for what I have bought into or what I'm creating as my purpose in life. Dr. Michael Rice has the uh, purpose, personal power, and commitment lecture. It's a two-hour video that's available for purchase on his website. And in it, he talks about how the, the primary goal for each human being is the same. And, and Michael Rice's words for this are to develop and then strengthen a viable, conscious spiritual body. Another way to talk about that is that the primary purpose for every human being is to wake up to the realization that they're not just a body. So, having accepted that, having awakening to the idea that I'm not just a physical body, then Michael Rice says, okay, now there's your primary purpose why don't you develop a secondary purpose? And your secondary purpose is going to be unique to you, and it's going to be dependent upon the things you're naturally good at and the things that you absolutely love to do, whether there's any economic advantage to doing it or not. And it's going to have to do with your unique view of the world, So write out a little narrative statement about how the world will look through your own eyes when it's perfect. And then create a a personal statement of purpose for you, your secondary purpose that's unique to you that, that says, I now choose to use one, two, or three things from the list of things I'm naturally good at as I do one, two, or three things that I absolutely love to do as I work to help 
turn the world into this view of perfection that my mind shows me how the world is going to look when it's perfect. And I don't need that to be any particular thing. And I don't need to get really serious about it. I can play with it. I can load up that list with things I just love to do that I have a natural skill for and I thoroughly enjoy doing. When I do these things and I get into that mode, I lose track of time. And I can create an experience of life and my secondary purpose based on things that I just love to do. And if I do, I will be adding to creation, to the flow of life in creation. I will be acting from the gifts I've been given. I will be expanding creation seemingly effortlessly at times when I'm doing these things and getting lost in them. And I'm free to do that. It's it's not that I have to do that to fulfill my purpose. I'm just free to do that. And I can play with it. I can play at it. And I need do nothing, and yet I am free. To do something, to play at it, to enjoy it, to understand that I'm contributing to the flow of life and creation as I do that. And as you step into these kinds of thoughts and questionings, just watch. What is your mind doing? What what dynamic might your mind be using to generate fear or negative judgment or contraction? All of these things are good things to observe. And if you're so inclined, you can pick up a reality management worksheet and start dismantling those negative emotions. You can start seeing the roots of it in your own previous life traumas that are not rooted in the extension of creation itself. They're not rooted in love. They're not rooted in expansion. They're not rooted in growth. If it's in contraction, it's not full life creation expanding. So our call-in number is 563-999-3581. If you call that number and press 1, we can have a conversation. How is this landing for you? What would be of service? How, how can we be more of service to you today, whether that is to discuss the worksheet process or the relevance of these essays or anything else we've talked about in the 12 and a half years that we've been doing this Internet show, which uh, over the years is now being called a podcast. 
563-999-3581. Area code 610, I believe this is Susan. Hi, Dr. Tim. Good talks. Um, Along those lines, but seemingly unrelated at the moment, I've been reading about this um, Australian biologist named Jeremy Griffith. Have you heard of him? No. Okay. All of a sudden, he seemed to have gotten onto some sort of a feed I got. And the comments underneath were so compelling that I thought I'd better check him out. He's, Is it about the lecture the he gave? Yes, about he gave this. About meaning of life? And about becoming free, because that is who we actually are. We are like, he talks about this tribe somewhere on an island off Africa or something, bonobo, small um, chimpanzee-like beasts who live in a totally peaceable, loving, communal existence. And he said their their configuration of DNA or genetic makeup is 99% like ours. And he said we are actually very much like these creatures, but we've forgotten it, and he gives the convoluted reason why We've gotten to fighting with each other and disagreeing and getting into conflicts. And he said, the answer to all this is just to remember we are like these people. Now, I haven't read, he's published a huge book. The big part of the title is something to like freedom, but there's more to it. And I thought, oh, I've got to get this book. And then I thought, wait a minute, maybe I better do a little more research before getting yet another book. So I read a lot of uh, things on the Internet about him, and what I kept finding is he keeps saying, this is the answer, this is the answer. We are innocent, we are free, which is what you're saying and what we've been reading. But what he lacks, to my mind, is the tools. At one point, he finally admits that it's going to take several generations. Now that we've realized we're okay, it's going to take several generations for us to find our way back there. But I kept thinking to myself, how? But how do we do it? How do we do it? And I I had this notion that I ought to put him in touch with with Michael Rice um, if, if they would really get into a discussion, Michael could say, hey, we can speed up the process because I've got the tools to get people to where you know that we are. And then one big red flag in there that may or may not be any bother at all. He is Australian, so his understanding of our political system, for instance, might be worse. But he really rags on the whole left-wing liberal kind of thinking, saying that it actually takes people's freedom away. We're so caught up in political correctness and so forth that we're kind of paralyzed. He's got a point there, but I mean, I think he just throws out all the good about liberal thinking along with the bad, and I don't want to even get into that. But I wondered if you had heard of him, and I've been meaning to ask you, but since you haven't, 
Jeremy Griffin. Oh, I think I'm, I, I didn't connect it with that that name, but I believe that I've listened to that lecture you're talking about because you know it was okay. put out there as this is our this is the answer. This, and essentially, right. you know, it, it's it's he's relating that he has discovered basically the antidote to thinking um, of um, original sin, right? The the idea that yeah. that we are so that our true nature is violent, et cetera. He's saying, no, that's right. not true. It's just a misunderstanding. And yeah. um, so I have listened to that lecture. Okay. And I had the same, you know, thought about you, is that it's when he goes negative on, you know, anyone or anything as a political party, et cetera, that he's missed the boat. Yeah. And, and that, and that that's, that's what happens for any of us when we engage in I just finished talking about how I think that the Jesus my autobiography book said it very succinctly my guidance system is my emotions and if I'm generating a negative emotional state a tightness a tension a contraction yeah that's my indication that I'm misapplying my mind energy in the moment mhm yeah and so it doesn't matter whether you're a liberal who's angry at the conservatives or vice versa. That's a misapplication of your mind energy in that moment, according to that more fundamental guidance system. Mm-hmm. Good. It's amazing and, that and, you... Hello. And, and the way <laughs> to, that that makes sense to me is the, is the idea that, you know, our... Our research shows when we're operating from, Michael Rice would say, hostility or fear, either one, it distorts our perception. We get a myopic view. Right. And we aren't seeing the whole picture. Right. And if you're a, you know, if you're a trial attorney, that you want the witness for the opposing side to be in hostility or fear when you're cross-examining them because you know that's when they're going to make mistakes. Right. That's true. So it's so, so it's when, not a matter of nothing ever needs to be done. It's a matter of if I'm operating from hostility or fear, whatever my perception tells me needs to be done is going to be a very, very limited conclusion based on a tiny, tiny bit of the experience of life in that moment. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna grow, I'm not gonna expand, I'm not gonna choose love, I'm not gonna extend love in that moment if I'm operating from hostility or fear. Mm-hmm. So first steps first I restore yeah. this awareness of my true nature. Michael Rice would say the condition of love to my mind. I I go back to that top cap is my acronym for it. Total, perfect, conscious, active, present love. You are already total, perfect, active, present love. You're just not conscious of it when you're using your conscious awareness to focus on the bits and pieces of of existence and generate a negative conclusion and a negative emotion. 
Mm-hmm. But you can't ever be separated from your source. That's the teaching of this work. You are and you remain as you were created to be, is the way of mastery's way of talking about it. Mm-hmm. You can't ever be separated from the forces that gave rise to you. You can, however, operate from the dream of separation and be led to believe falsely that you're not part of the one mind, that you're not part of Mm -hmm. all creation. And in that operation from that dream of separation, you suffer. You slumber in your suffering. You create Mm -hmm. a dream of separation. You create a fantasy of being bad or wrong or being punished. But the truth of your life is you're part of the one mind. You're part of creation. And if you can restore your awareness to that, then whatever perception you generate from that has a much higher probability of being closer to the truth, the absolute mm-hmm. truth of life and who and what you are. And then, as Krishnamurti would say, when you see the false as the false and the truth for what it is, and you let the truth of life act on you, then you just act in a flow in response to that and everything goes better. And there's no thought involved. There's just the flow of creation. There's action that flows from the truth of life is just part of the extension of that loving energy of life. Well, so I was just left thinking that the guy needs to find out about the tools. Because he's got his clinkers. You know, all of us get triggered or something by one thing or another, but Michael Rice's tools would, if he used them, he would probably realize he was going up a wrong track with complaining about whatever he was complaining about. I don't know why this material showed up right now. When did you listen to that lecture? Oh, probably about a year ago. Oh, it was that long. All of a sudden, it was in my feed, and I was reading all the comments like, this is it, you know, and I always thought the tools were as far as we could, you know, if we really use them, that's the way to get to the critical mass that Michael Rice is always talking about, tipping enough of us over to the other side that the rest of us follow. It's such an encouraging idea. So... Yeah, I I did listen to it, and I thought there was he was fantastic in articulating the woes of the world in great detail. And I kept thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell us, tell us, tell us. How long do we have to wait before you're gonna? It's like those infomercials where you wait for an hour and they finally <laughs> tell you to buy a pill. You know. <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, and, you know, it, it, it's like Dr. Michael Rice says, you know, um, it, it, there is work to be done, in a sense, because I need, in this sense, you know, I, I, I realize I just said I need do nothing, right? And yet <laughs> I'm, all, I'm already operating from 
all of this conditioning and these negative beliefs. And so if I want to be free of that, I've got to be willing to let go of them. I've got to undo the ways in which I cling to that and that uh, passion or obsession with knowing or being right. I've got to find a way to move past that. Otherwise, as Guy Finley would say, it's just this mechanical level of mind that just keeps churning. And it's just going to do what it's been programmed to do. So if I want to be free of that, I've got to quit doing the stuff I'm already doing, which has me believing I know that I'm right and the world is wrong and it's settled and why argue and all of that silliness. So, you know, in that sense, I have to do something. I have to learn to let go. I have to be more in the moment and allow myself to be rather than continue this automatic pattern this churning of the conditioned mind so I have to do something I don't have to do anything and yet if I want to change I'm going to have to quit doing what I'm doing that's not working right so it's at another right. level of scale, I don't need to do anything. And yet, if I want something to be different, I've got to quit doing what I've been doing that's creating the thing I don't want. <laughs> Maybe that's, there's another word for that somehow. I need to do nothing or I, uh, I can't do well, it. Well, think of it, but think of it this way. Yeah. It's just on a different level of scale. On one level of yeah. scale, I need to do nothing. At another level of scale, if I keep doing something and expecting different results, that doesn't make any sense. That's what they call insanity. Yep. And so if I keep churning away that I believe this and I need to be right and these people are wrong and they should be punished, if I keep pouring my mind energy into that pattern of thoughts, I'm going to keep getting the results that I say I don't want. If I right. want So at a different level of scale, if I want something to be different, I have to change what I'm doing that's creating the very thing I say I don't want. Well, if you can do a true doing nothing, then what bubbles up is desire. And then you find your secondary purpose out of that. But it's out of a kind of looseness. You always talk about breathe and soften. I've been telling my grandson to do that because he gets so tense about things. Let's breathe and just soften. And he says, oh, that helps. And then I taught him about the Pratervan thing. And he says, you know, just hearing that helps. I feel it helping me in my body. What a kid. You know, he's 18. But it, it is a kind of doing nothing which is something <laughs> anyway we get, we're just getting all followed up now but I, I understand what you're saying I think <laughs> yeah I agree it is a kind of a doing something that is a doing and nothing and that's you know that's <laughs> the problem with our words right our words are so yeah. limited and that's why we're, we're with all of this that we're talking about is at a level of experience that goes beyond words yeah. So I realize that we've expended our hour, so thank you so much for your question here at the end. I will mute you so you can listen into the second hour. I will remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. And I'll welcome Jeannie Rice. Thank you, Dr. Tim. You're quite welcome, and sir. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.
Welcome everybody to the second hour of Mindshifters Radio and today is Tuesday, July the 25th, 2023. Call-in number is 563-999-3581 and press 1 and that puts you into queue to talk to us and we would love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. We'll give Michael a moment to dial in, and uh, I'll just remind everybody that Thursday, day after tomorrow, is the uh, book club, which meets the uh, second and fourth Thursday of every month. So that's coming up. I think they're doing Chapter 7 this week of the book. And then on the third and fifth um, Thursdays, if there is a fifth Thursday, if there's not, it'll just be on the third Thursday, they're doing A Course in Miracles, and so... Uh, the next one of those is going to be on August the 17th. And they'll be doing the Name of God is My Inheritance. And I'm not sure uh, how much longer after that that it will be going, but we do know that it will go until August the 17th. And then we've also got um, the Mind Shifters and Still Point Breathing um, that you can be part of. And we also have the self-study, and that is growing. There's a lot more people that are becoming involved in that and doing that and, and working on their own and, and improving what's going on for them. At this time, I will welcome Michael. We're getting lots of awesome feedback from people who are doing the uh, the codependence intensive. It's just uh, fabulous. A couple of people here calling in on the show and the changes that are happening are just monumental had a gentleman call yesterday that just started doing it, and uh, it's just opening such stuff up for him that uh, he's just like uncovered one nugget after a nugget from his childhood that one thing in particular has just impacted his whole life. You know, been right there, just right in front of everything for several decades, almost seven decades. And uh, he's just deconstructing that stuff, booting it out of his life and uh, coming to new uh, new states of <clears throat> realization of, uh, of who he is, which, of course, is the whole bottom line of this work, is the recovery of being, the recovery of the truth of who we are. And, you know, in 12-step programs, they talk about recovery, but it's recovery from disease. Here's a different recovery. We're looking to uncover and recover the truth of our humanness. Uncover meaning move the hostility, the fear, the rage, the guilt, the drama, the trauma out of physiology. You know, you can have things happening that in past situations would have sent you into a fit of rage, depression, pain, I mean, you get rid of the rage, the depression, the pain, those things happen, and, and it happened. It's just, well, it happened. That, that happened. There's a cute uh, AGT video we were watching a few weeks ago, and there's a young girl about 13, and she went through a, a bit of a challenge. It was just so cute. She had this really thick southern accent. She comes back out to, to do her uh, her musical piece on America's Got Talent, and her, her words as she's coming back out at 13 is just, well, that just happened. This <laughs> is really cute. And so stuff happens, but few people can separate what happens from 
what the mind brings into play and tricks us into thinking is part of the situation that's happening when in fact it is set into activity is triggered by what's going on in the world but not by any stretch of the imagination caused by what's going on in the world once you realize that difference then you realize you're in charge of it you can throw it out right time to be done with this one and so we're here to uh, to make the tools for doing that and the awareness of how that uh, unfolds when you wake up One of the chapters in the book is waiting, pardon me, waking from the has-been. And the has-been is just the stuff in the mind that goes on and on and on and seems to be. It's so seamlessly integrated into the pain that the mind produces that it must be coming from the outside. It must be part of the event out there. My mind would never do that to me. And once you wake up to that one and clean it up, it's monumental. So, so Machine, we have everybody in the phone queue with a hand up or anything happening in we, the chat room? We do have a hand up. And it's the awesome. Zero. Say hi to the caller. I believe it's Miss Susan. Hi. Hi, Jeannie, Michael. Hey, good to hear your voice. We haven't heard from you in a few days. <laughs> okay. Well, you're hearing now. Um, I was just talking to Dr. (laughs) Glad you're glad. I was just talking to Dr. Tim about uh, an interview I just heard and read a lot of hype and enthusiastic comments about about a man who's a biologist from Australia named Jeremy Griffiths, and he's about our age, you know, more or less ballpark. He's in his forties, right? (laughs) <laughs> right. So I wondered if you'd heard of him. No, I haven't. What's his interview about? What's what is it that he's saying? Well, I got really excited because there's a tremendous amount of hype out about him. He claims that we are we humans are basically innocent, but we've forgotten that. We've gotten into all kinds of conflict between our instincts and our intellect as he puts it. He's written a book called Freedom, The End of the Human Condition. And he explains that we are basically like, there's a little tribe of chimpanzees somewhere in Africa named Bonobo, and they live a completely loving communal life together. Right. The ideal Just like life. real humans are supposed says, to. Real humans, exactly. And he says that's what we are. The yeah, I agree. On and on. Yeah, I know you agree. That's why I'm excited to tell you um, that I think cool. you and he ought to meet because you have the tools. Because he tells us what the problem is. He's very articulate and eloquent about all the ways we've gotten into trouble. And he says, this is the hope of humanity, and everybody's all excited. And you listen to the whole thing. And as I was telling Dr. Tim, it's like listening to one of those infomercials where you're going to find out that thing that you're supposed to eat that will cure foot disease and you wait for an <laughs> hour and finally you, you learn about a pill you know and it's right. very frustrating Something and he got does for the sale. same thing yeah he does the same thing and I'm thinking alright already I've, I know how miserable we are I know what a mess we're in we're destroying ourselves etc let's hear your solution 
he doesn't have one, Michael. All he says yep. is that this is who we are, and this is the cure. And he does admit at one point in one of the interviews that it's going to take several generations to get there. And I'm thinking, it doesn't have to. <laughs> you've got to meet No, nope, sure doesn't. I swear to God, you've got to get a hold of this guy. If you look him up, his name is Jeremy Griffith, and he's about 77, um, and he's Australian, and he's, there's so much hype up right now. And Dr. Tim told me he heard this lecture or interview a year ago, so it's been around, but I only heard about it, and I dove right in and thought, oh, I've got to get his book. But the more I listened, and he has his own trigger things, you know, and you're you're good. You say everybody has a trigger, okay. So he he could learn a lot from you and his his visibility might just bump you way up where you ought to be and you are among groups of people, but this I know I'm going a little nuts, but um Wikipedia has a lot on him. Where else? He has his own website too. Um I can't find it right now. It doesn't matter. Whatever you look up will take you to that stuff. It's cool to hear that somebody from the world of biology is finally uncovering that conclusion. And Yeah, and he says this is not religion and this is not spiritual and this is scientific. I say, who cares? We just need to get there. No. And right. <laughs> and um, I would... I would shift the uh, the focus a little bit from getting over being human to getting back to being human. <laughs> because he would what we're so seeing too. expressing in this world is not human. Yeah. With hostility, this fear game that's going on. Right. Well, he's doing cool. Something well, we'll look too. it up. Yeah. If he if if he saw some of your posts on Facebook. He would say, oh, I don't know, that guy sounds like a lefty. He's got a thing about lefties. And I think he's probably very superficial, and he's from Australia, so I don't know what left really means in that culture and country. But he gets hung up there, and Dr. Tim very wisely said, aha, well, you know, he needs to do the work. He's got the same things going on that the rest of us do who haven't, really come around and done our work. But anyway, I just wanted to say you you could throw in with him and make such a big explosion on the planet because he has a ton, evidently a ton of visibility. And well, Jeannie has really, already... Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Freedom, the, the, the title is the book of the book is... Uh, Freedom, the End of the Human Condition, published in 2016. My title would be Liberty, the Beginning of the Human Condition. Well, don't fight him too hard at the beginning, Michael. <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm, I'm, right, I'm right there. I'm right there with him. That's <laughs> right on track. Okay. So thank you for that. We'll check it out. We'll check out his video. and yeah. Who knows? Maybe create yeah. some conversation and some... Some uh, connectedness. I tried on his website, which I don't have right now, I tried to find a way to contact him 
because I was going to recommend your website to him and the wake up sheet and tools. And I said, you are all the way there, except everybody's going to ask, how do we do it? How do we do it? And why does it have to take three generations minimum? So, but I couldn't find a way to contact him. So good luck. I hope you do. Jeannie's such a wizard. She'll probably find a way. She'll find a way. I'm actually, I have found a website called thehumancondition.com. That's it. Yeah. So we'll see if that, yeah, there is a contact button. So good. Awesome. Good. (laughs) Great. So did he, did he give you any kind of tool or insight into how this process that he's talking about might happen? Not to me, but I stopped because you have to plow through those long infomercial type things. His, he is a genius in how he presents how we are right now, how we appear to be. But I couldn't find any suggestions. I looked through all the comments, too, and mostly they were, this is it. This will solve the problem. But I say, how, how, how? Nobody says how, and that's what I was going to write to him about. I'd rather be released from that responsibility because right. you're the genius behind these tools. And the real McCoy ought to call him up. <laughs> so, <laughs> if I'm looking on uh, Amazon under the book and the description of it, it says um, uh, the fastest growing realization everywhere is that humanity can't go on the way it's going. Indeed, the great fear is that we're entering end game where we appear to have lost the race between self-destruction and self-discovery. The race to find the psychologically relieving understanding of our good and evil afflicted human condition. Well, astonishing as it is, this book by biologist Jeremy Griffith presents the 11th hour breakthrough biological explanation of the human condition necessary for the psychological rehabilitation and transformation of our species. Now, doesn't that sound like Michael Rice? Let's go for it. I'm willing. I'm excited to hear about that somebody from the world of biology is coming to that conclusion because to me it's a a most obvious conclusion. And Mm -hmm. I wonder what it is for this gentleman that, you know, there must be something connected for him in him to make that discovery, to bring that forward. So I'll be excited to find out what his journey has been from the the non-human to the human so. Yeah. Well, I hope you do connect, and I hope he's open to connecting. Yeah, that's yeah, really exciting. Very cool. Other than that, is there anything I, extra exciting happening in your world? Lots of breakthroughs, lots of good work going on. It started a couple of weeks ago with sort of the back-to-back worksheet stuff you and Tim Hayes did with me that's been totally liberating and sometimes exhausting. If I face right into it and do another layer, like yesterday I was wiped out for most of the afternoon after doing some work with Dr. Tim, but... um, I I don't, it's just the old stuff, getting more old stuff surfacing and getting 
process through, including the shame of bothering. I remember I had an uncle when I was much younger who talked in his older age. He was very depressed. He told me about how this didn't happen or did happen when he was small. And all I could think of was, oh, my God, man, get off of it. Well, here I am doing the same thing. He was processing like mad, and I loved this guy, so I never spoke to him that way. But I did wonder, you know, isn't it kind of embarrassing to be going through these early, early memories, memories that are pretty common to other people? What's the big deal that I'm moaning and groaning over this thing? So I've had to deal with embarrassment about that, hearing my mother's voice saying, oh, for heaven's sake. You're focusing too much on yourself, you know, that sort of thing. Um, it's been rich and really good. Uh, and at the same time, I'm, you know, I've got Jacob and Michael. I have to confess, I have your link to that three-hour thing. I have listened to it myself. And the more I listened, I just thought, Jacob's brain isn't set up to listen to this. And I probably shouldn't even make that, make that judgment but I'm in Al-Anon, and they always say, don't send literature. Don't make suggestions. You're telling them that they're wrong, and they're this and they're that. No matter if I make it a business deal, I don't, two levels, I don't think I have the right to do that, even though it's great stuff. And I don't think he is wired to listen to it. But I am sneaking the principles in when I talk to him just by using myself and some trouble I've been in to, to demonstrate or explain how I got out of something. And even that is really the Al-Anon people. I have a meeting this afternoon and I'm a little nervous because I think they're going to say, whoa, you're, you're off your lane again. You're in his lane. Get back in your own lane. So I haven't sent it to him. That's one thing. Well, my offering would be, that there is a level on which that workshop's meant to talk to the brain, but more importantly, it's meant to talk to the soul. And it's yeah. the soul that will hear it. it was just, it's the soul that will start to make okay. sense of it. You know, over the years, it's always amazed me how when somebody makes a connection to it, what their own internal genius does with it. And what I get, you know, from what I've watched of what this young man has created in the music world and such, this the genius that he is, that he has. And that's mm -hmm. the part that, to me, it speaks to and awakens or strengthens. Well, that's very encouraging. It might just tip the scales and I might dare to do it anyway. That's good. I can just say, this may not hit the mark, or it may. Do your best. I want to hear from you, and it's a business deal. Tim Bingham doesn't think it's a good idea. It's like a bribe, and I said, yes, it is. <laughs> I believe in bribes every once in a while. Um, <clears throat> so maybe that's just a, a wrong word. It's an incentive. Let's put it that way. Uh, so that's a good thought. Excellent talk, Michael. It's you know, like oftentimes, culmination of a lot of work you did. It comes together really well, and I love that you're introduced like a big shot instead of getting out there all by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
You know, oftentimes people hold back because, well, I can't influence them. Listen, the world is pounding into his brain every day. The world of electronics, his phone, his iPad, or his mm -hmm. computer, yeah. they're pounding mm -hmm. in on his brain day in, day out, day in, day out. The, the world of education is pounding into his brain all the time, trying to influence. Yeah. You know, if, if he's a TV watcher, those commercials are pounding into his brain at every moment. The messages that come in start from music are pounding into his brain with all kinds of craziness. And do we have a right to bring sanity to someone who's being pounded on like that all the time? I don't envy young people today. If oh, they don't either. have the foundation, if they don't have the the parenting that, you know, I, I mean, one of the games of the world as I see it is to make sure that parents are so unavailable that the children become available to the brainwashing. Mm. And so... Wow. You know, handing, to me, handing a child that's being pushed from every direction, emotionally, psychologically, sexually, from every direction, handing them something that gives them truth to stand with and hold on to and something to do about it, to me, is just, yes, as a parent, as a grandparent, you have every right because somebody's going to get a hold of that brain and a lot of what's trying to reach into his brain and sometimes with the most expert technology is just, just plain flat out destructive. Okay, that's true. So that, that would be my, my take as a concerned grandparent. You have every right to see if you can influence that young man. Good, thanks. That's good. My daughter had a really interesting insight because Jacob, you know how he acts toward us if we don't give him money. He gets mean. And she says right. she and her, her Al-Anon group, they pointed out the fact that in his family of origin, his father was not the breadwinner. He did get jobs. He did very well here and there. But he wanted to make sure that his wife carried the burden of the household and the raising of the kids. So that's their model that they had. <clears throat> and he was, in some ways, just expecting to be taken care of. This is the father. So my daughter said he's also living with that paradigm or model. And it just helps to understand. He once told me, maybe I told you this, I said, Jake, we've been supporting you already. What's the deal? And he said, but I have to pull it out of you. You're stingy. I thought, whoa, you know because we're not just throwing dollars at him. We're asking for him to meet us partway, not even halfway. But it's been it's been ugly because we've got this bipolar, unreliable brain going there too, which I've learned to not take personally and just wait it out, hold love, distance, wait till something cools off, then there may be a mild little apology or maybe nothing, but somehow we resume normal relating after a while. And I even think we're rewarding that kind of abuse because we don't call him on it because it gets us 
into a terrible fight. It doesn't lead to anything but ugliness. So this is a tricky kid. So well, you know, when I listen to... Yeah, when I listen to you tell it, talking about what this gentleman Jeremy is doing, it's what he's, he's talking yeah. about the bipolar. You know, where are you going to go? Are you going to be human? Are you going to be non-human? Are you going to live in hostility, fear, he manipulation? Does. Are you going to live as a human being? He calls it um, psychosis. I forgot to tell you. He says we are all in a mass psychosis. And whatever we do, I agree. That's what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, are you going to hit it off with this guy? Insanity. I mean, it's literally insanity. When you think that love, the human being love, is conned into rage and fear and grief and pain and trauma and victimhood, it's insane. Yes, psychotic. Most of our world today is psychotic, literally Well, you certainly are on the same wavelength as Jeremy Griffith. So, so uh, my my offering once again would be to give this young man a hand up into sanity by offering mm-hmm. him access to some tools that most people Unfortunately, at this point, I mean, we're doing our best to change that, but most people never meet, never even know exist. Yeah, right. And certainly have no okay. support for moving toward. I'm convinced. You've got Thanks. to practice. You, yeah, you've, you've convinced me, though. I've been a chicken. So this is good. Thanks. One of the things that I appreciate in our home at this point, with the fact that Ari is here, two to three days a week. And I think about it as a a kid myself. And, you know, I I get to interact a significant amount with Aria, but nothing like what Jeannie does. And what what Jeannie has done as her grandmother is that two to three days a week, Aria comes to play with her playmate. And Jeannie is with her for six, seven, eight, nine, if one of her parents are working late, sometimes 10 hours. And, mm-hmm. I mean, that's all they do all day is play. And their play is learning. Their play is focused on love and caring and correction when something other than that happens. And mm-hmm. I, I just think about the the benefit that this little girl has. Oh, it's and huge. One of one of the games of the world is to keep us keep parents so busy. I mean, you know, we're at the point unless somebody's in a a profession that gives them a significant remuneration, if they're just Joe Average, it takes two two incomes to even keep a home going. I know. And now the child is vulnerable to the prey of drugs and alcohol and rage and guilt and pain and psychosis. Right. That's true. And it's so, to me, it's just, this has been coming to me more and more each, just this last few days, just watching that Arya so looks forward to coming and hanging out with her playmate all day. That's so wonderful. 
you know, Papa kind of comes in and out of it, but <laughs> they're full time, awesome. and you know, it's it's really sad that our culture, which if if we wanted to, every person in this country could spend the majority of their day in their home, in their lives, functioning as human beings, playing, being in their gardens, and live very well. There's enough common wealth. You know, they talk about the commonwealth of Virginia. And that, that word really means something. It's been forgotten. The commonwealth has been squandered on insanity, yeah. Yeah. stolen from people and put into the pockets of controlling, manipulative, psychotic corporations and people, sadly. And it's time for it to be restored and for humans to have human interaction fully as children and to grow Mm -hmm. into that likeness of a human being rather than a human doing. Yeah. So thank you, Nini. Oh, yeah, and Jeannie, I have to answer you. I've done a lot of grandmothering myself, and you can get really pooped. I hope you have a ton of energy. I do, and, and usually when I take her home, then I come back and do an hour of Avison before I start dinner or anything, and a lot of times, most of the time, Michael already has dinner going, so that That's helps great. tremendously. But, yeah, Excellent. we play, you know, whether it's pretend this or pretend that or you know, uh, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Synchronicity, because Dr. Tim was talking about playing in the previous hour, if you wanted to listen to it, just how um, Christian Sundberg in his book, A Walk in the Physical, has an essay on having fun, (laughs) and you're doing it. It's what we're designed for. So I have a contact conversation with Jeremy about that, how to how to get us back there. Absolutely. He needs that. He doesn't have the tool. I think that's why there's so much yakking going on in his interviews, because he doesn't really know how people are going to get there. He just says, we will, because we know we're really innocent. But he doesn't have your tools. Well, thank you for informing us, and thank you for the care and concern that you have for those young men in your life, your son, your grandsons, and uh, the gift of the work you do to benefit them is awesome. Thanks. I hope it keeps. It does. With my younger grandboy, Jonathan's boy, he's got what they describe as relationship OCD which means he'll fixate on someone and then no matter what they say or do, he will question everything and feel terribly anxious because it wasn't exactly right. And it leaves him feeling unable to enjoy his life is how he puts it. He tells me, he told me yesterday, Orb, I haven't been able to enjoy my life for about four years. And he went for blood tests to find out why he has trouble making himself eat. He's very slim, he's muscular, he works out, he looks great, but he he doesn't want to eat. And they 
one of the blood work things that came back was his cortisol level was sky high. He said, I'm living like this. This is not healthy. And, you know, so I I use the tools mush, digested by orb. I just, you know, I, I tell him about, well, you've got that goal, and there's a lot of stress in that goal not being met. He did one or two early worksheets with Jeannie's app, and for some reason he got turned off, and it wasn't the app. It's just because it's probably because it's a relative trying to tell him something. In any case, I'm easing the material in, pre-digested, and he does hear it. And I'm using everything, Pradavan, blessing, and prayer, and uh, telling him, Tim Hayes uses the phrase, allow, breathe, and soften. And I'll say that to him, breathe and soften. He's like, oh, okay, I'm breathing, and I'm softening. And then I say, when you think of your dad... And you think something's wrong, you know in your heart of hearts that your dad adores you, always has. You're precious to him. Nothing could change that. Anything he might say is going through a bad filter in your head, and you're making it something bad, and it isn't. I want you to breathe and say, I love you, Dad, and I bless you. You do it in your mind. And I love you, Charlie. And I, I love myself, Charlie, and I, I'm, I'm, I, I bless myself. And he says, I'm trying to do all those things, but I still feel it. And I said, just do them, do them, do them. Well, <laughs> so, remember that. Cool. Yeah, go ahead. Some authority, somebody in a white coat has diagnosed him. Yeah. So he's got the mind energy of this disorder that he's got. Perhaps mm-hmm. helping him to convert this diagnosis. And remember the word dyad means to an agnostic. As somebody who doesn't know, diagnostic is to who don't know. <laughs> I know. Perhaps I giving him the... <laughs> right. <laughs> but perhaps give him the, the mind energy of, give him the gift of recognizing that it's up to him and all he has to do is convert this into a compulsive blessing rather than disorder mm. that this is his blessing that he gets to look at the things that he focuses on and that he ruminates on and that this is yeah. where he can strengthen his ability to change his own mind and step into creating such a delightful joyful life that it'll be awesome for him And when you give him a different prognosis to the point where he trusts and buys that prognosis, guess what? As a creator, he's going to create. Right now, he sounds like he's trapped in that obsessive-compulsive disorder. Mm -hmm. He's got the diagnosis, and he's bought it, and he's playing it out. So give him a better Mm -hmm. one. Obsessive-compulsive blessing. Everything you do turns to a blessing, son. And when he gets that shift in mind energy, guess what will happen? He'll create everything as a blessing. Michael, can you, I I understand what you're saying, but I can't imagine presenting that quite that way to him. You have a, can you melt it down or? Well, probably, you know, maybe explaining the meaning of the word diagnosis. 
explaining that he, as you, and we all are creators. Mm-hmm. We're creators. We've, we've been robbed of that understanding. And we've been given a program by which we create, and we're unconscious of the fact that it's we who are creating it, that that program's been slipped to us. And that yeah. acknowledging him as a creator, and, and, you know, you had lots of authorities that tell you your life's going to be miserable because you've got this disorder, and, and look at this, you're creating it. Good job, son. Now, what if you understood that the root of it is what you're creating and the mind energy you choose to engage in, and you start to shift that? Let's sit down yeah. and do a mind shifter together. Let's, let's look at some of those things, and let's start to work through them and create a life that is blessed with creativity. You know, it sounds like he's a physically strong and attractive young man that brings his Mm. attractiveness to awareness and his strength to awareness and his capacity as a creator. Mm. Michael, can you craft a mind shifter for him? Sure. Every thought that comes to me blesses me. With the opportunity to upgrade Mm -hmm. from disorder to blessing. Every thought that comes to me blesses me with the opportunity to upgrade from disorder to blessing. Mm, Once he gets that he's a creator and he can do what he wants with it, watch him take off. I'm going to use that one too, Michael. Go for it. I might too. As a matter of fact, can write it down if you text it to me. I'd appreciate it. I will. (laughs) Okay. It's great. Thank you. Sweet. Sweet. And we hold the space for it. And, and, you know, your work, your genius, just unleash it with him. I do tell him, I said, I had massive anxiety from puberty until about six years ago when I started doing these wake-up sheets. And I I get mad and I get upset and I obsess about things, but there's no comparison. The anxiety has, like, physically walked out of my system. I don't have it at all, ever. Not in the early morning when I used to get it the worst, not during the day. It's beyond relapsability even. I feel... Boy, I better knock on wood. There you go. (laughs) And what did you do to do that? You changed your mind. Yeah, with some help from my friends. Well, of course, that's what we're all here for. But but the simple fact is, all you did was change your mind. Nothing else in your life is any different. You just changed your thinking about it. And when you can get you know? the, you know, the realization that that's all I've done, gee, I get up in the morning and I don't think, oh, what terrible thing is going to happen today. I think, oh, I wonder what kind of blessing I'm going to be or what kind of blessing I'm going to get today. 
That's the difference between anxiety and a joyful life. (laughs) That's all it is. That's that's the only difference between an angst angst kind of day and a sweet day of wonderment. (laughs) You listened to Paul 2,000 years ago. He... There were several pieces he didn't have, but he had this one. What did he say? Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You know, you go to the opening words in the book of John, and it doesn't say in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh. It says in the beginning was the mind energy, and the mind energy became flesh. This is our creative power. When we think a thought, it becomes the chemistry in our body that in a hospital they measure and say, oh, you've got the ABC chemical, therefore you've got the ABC disease. No, I've got the ABC thought, and I can change it. And when I do, my chemistry changes. My cells change. Everything changes. And Paul says, whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is beautiful, think on these things. I don't know the whole thing. But I often think about that, which is more of what you just said. Yeah. And all when somebody's in the OCD in trauma... All that they're doing mm-hmm. is the, the amplitude, the intensity of the mind energy of trauma and pain is what keeps them ruminating on that. When forgiveness yeah. is applied, the, literally those frequencies, those energy patterns lose their amplitude. They weaken until they're just one more option in the mind. And if you continue yeah. to work to forgive them, then they're not even an option in the mind. They disappear. They fall away. Because who would go there when they know what they're doing to themselves? That's great. And, you know, he is so smart. He will get this. Whether he applies it, and there is some clinker in there at this point, resisting, but who doesn't know that? It's just a thought. Yeah. It's just a thought. It's just a thought to be overcome, a thought to be forgiven. A thought to be weakened in its amplitude until it's just one more voice in the head, and and I have an I have option for other voices and yeah. other creative possibilities. And with mm-hmm. the skills that you've shared with that he has, his hands, woodworking, and such, sounds like a, a genius, much like Jacob. And if we can just get that mind energy moving in the direction of conscious creation and human life. Maybe get him to listen to Jeremy. You know, Jeremy having that biological approach might just, yeah. you know, sit and watch that with him. And, you know, here's here's a biologist that's telling us what we can do. And here's a three-hour workshop on how to do it. Well, that's the trouble. There is no workshop on how to do it. That's where Michael Rice comes in. That's what I just said. This is a three-hour workshop. Here's how to do it. Yeah. Oh, I see. I thought you were meaning that Jeremy had the workshop. That's what he doesn't have. Right. Well, we do. I know. The goal is just, you know, the whole thing is just getting it into people's hands and and having them hang around long enough. You know, I, I get really clear. I've gotten really clear that past the gate of their own yeah. compulsive rotary thinking on old family and cultural dynamics that people get stuck in. They have to get out of the the gravity of those things and into the gravity of, oh, 
I'm a human being. I am love. I'm a creator. Oh, so I can create this differently rather than running the family pattern? Yes. So we'll hold the space for that conversation. Thanks. Yeah, he's and around, the thought so comes that yeah, yeah, the thought comes that you might at some point introduce Luke into the conversation. You know, Luke, Luke was yeah. there. You stuck with him, and you stuck with him, and you stuck with him, and you know, it doesn't sound like uh, this young man has the uh, addictive challenge the same, no. but. Same issue, same same game, and yeah. so perhaps at some point bring Luke into the uh, the game to advise him as a peer. You know, I've realized mm-hmm. I've got a routine I need to do each day in order to keep me on track, and here's how you do it. Well, that's great. That's a good idea. Thanks. So we'd be holding the Good space work. for all three of those young men. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> awesome. Well, any other thoughts for you? No, I ran out. Well, thanks for introducing Jeremy to us. We'll take a look. We'll watch his stuff yeah, and uh, see see what kind of opening we can create. That's exciting. You know, there was a time, I don't know whether I ever shared this with you before or not, but back when I wrote Why Is This Happening to Me Again, Jim Redfield, who wrote Celestine Prophecy, was the second best-selling book in the world in 1995, was a student of mine while he was writing that. And he took my book to his editor at Warner Books, the largest publisher in the world, and Warner Books approached me and wanted to publish the book. This, you know, your, your time has come. And I was guided to refuse that invitation. I turned them down. And I did that based on guidance. So my mind, my ego was certainly excited about, wow, this is the opportunity that I've been waiting for. And then it was like, no, mm-hmm. Michael, don't do it because it will be killed. Why? Did you, why? What, what was your guidance about? Basically, it was if if this understanding gets out at this point on a on a starts to move out into the public eye, that there'll be powers who are going to want to shut it down. And I was shown, I was given a visual of that. I was given a visual Mm -hmm. of it just being squashed, being destroyed, and and then I was shown literally a visual of the blue planet in space. And at that point, it it was like the first visual I got was the blue planet, was the Earth, and there was like a spike. By going with Warner Books, there was a spike created, and once that spike came to public awareness, that it would be destroyed. And then the second visual that I was given was that there was going to be, there was a thin layer around the planet which now, you know, we've got the book in I don't even know how many different countries, the forgiveness process. It's, it's global. It's, it's not central with me anymore. It's yeah. globally available. And that was mm-hmm. the visual that I was given, 
and and then I was given I was told that I'll know when it's time and then that thin layer would grow to the level of the spike all around the planet and there would be nothing anybody could do about it because it wasn't centralized in one place or one person. You know, and it's that's interesting an story. Well, it's interesting. In fact, I just talked to the owner of Avison yesterday. She used to be in the jewelry business. And and if you remember the Avison logo is a globe, that was the visual I got. Well, if you look at any of that, I'll I'll send you a copy of the the Avison logo. And it was like, that's it. And she has it in a piece of jewelry. She's act- I talked to her about it yesterday. She's sending it to me. I, to- I shared that story with her yesterday. That is so weird, Michael. And, it- and that's it. That is so weird. So it's like... Well, another thing Dr. Tim was talking about is synchronicity. And Audrey came on and says, wow, you're talking about exactly what I'm thinking about. And I needed to hear that. And it's so good. <clears throat> it's- it is... Yeah, it happens. That's great. And and synchronicity, if you read Celestine Prophecy with Jim Redfield, synchronicity was the focal point of of Jim's book. I didn't remember that. I did read it a gazillion years ago, and I don't remember it at all. Gosh, you know, Michael, that was a huge temptation for you to pass up. It was bigger than you could imagine. It was bigger than I could imagine. That was, I mean, you know, Jim was basically rolling in money at that point. I said, Michael, here it is. They want your book. And I just got such clear, don't go there, Michael. I mean, it was. Did you tell him that? Did I tell Jim that? No, uh, Mike uh, Bachman, uh, the author of the Celestine Prophecy. Is that his name? I yeah, Jim, Red, Jim Redfield. Yeah, yeah, Jim Redfield. Did you tell him? No, I never shared that with Jim. Is he still alive? At that point, you know, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, he's around. Jim used to study with me. He lived in Birmingham. And when he was writing that, I, I actually, the first case of books that came out uh, of Celestine Prophecy, he was in Birmingham. I was speaking in Pensacola, Florida. He got in his car mm-hmm. and brought cases of the book down, and that was the first place he sold them was at my workshop in, at University wow. Pensacola. And wow, we put cool. it out in our newsletter, and when we put the book, you know, we had people all over the country. We put Celestine Prophecy out in our newsletter. Uh, all of a sudden, it started to sell all over the country, and that's what got uh, Warner Books interested in Jim. And got him the deal with uh, with Warner Books. It was the work we did with his book. But by that time, you know, I mean, he he made that introduction for me, and that was great. And uh, um, it was um, it was kind of like he he was past the point. He was bigger than that at that point. He was in orbit. Yeah, yeah, in orb. Yep. In orb. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! I, I just think that's an amazing story and a, an amazing story of trusting your gut, your messages. What an amazing thing! And to see what the trajectory of our 
global misery is, your global ministry is in there, but I mean to see how bad things, you didn't have any idea probably back then, but to see how long you had to wait and how desperate everybody had to become before it could get out there. Well, it's time. Yeah. Okay, well, that's an amazing story. I had heard it before, but it hadn't gone in to my gray matter the way it did this time. The restraint, the passing up of a, I mean, your your innate human, non-human greed could have taken over, and it didn't. Yeah, I was already kind of at the point where, you know, basically back then I was um, traveling anywhere on the globe we were invited. I was paying my own expenses. The workshops were free. That was, we were past that place. Knew what we were here to do. That's amazing. Been working on it for many, many, many lifetimes. Really? Is that how you see it yep. now? Did you always mm-hmm. see it that way? Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's something I've been <laughs> aware of for a long time. Of us, you're kind enough to call some of us early adopters, but we sound rather late, I must say. Well, of course, it's all relative. It depends how late your relatives were at it. (laughs) (sighs) Anyway, it's an idea whose time has come, and uh, we'll definitely be in touch with Jeremy and see what what unfolds in that conversation. Great. Sweet. So anything else on your mind, young lady? No, Michael. That's that's uh, shot my my brain. That's it. Thanks so much for those good pieces of advice. I'm going to send the thing to Jacob and present the mind shifter to Charlie. Cool. Well, we'll be extending love in your direction to uh, really know that Rooka in you will give you the words to say, you know, when you hear Yeshua talk about, don't be concerned for the words will be put into your mouth when you go before the judge. And, you know, that's been interpreted as some sort of a legalistic thing when you go in front of God and God's going to send you to hell or whatever, you know, that whole insanity. But but the Aramaic sense of that is really about in the moment of creation, when it's about to come into expression, you're going to be guided. You know, the judge is basically, it's going to come to fruition. It's going to come into expression in the world. And in that moment, mm-hmm. if you are open to the mind 
the real mind in you, which they call the mind of Christ, if you're open to it, it's going to tell you exactly what to say and exactly what to do. All you have to do is be listening rather than stuck in your mind. That is so true. And when I do speak to the boys, I do pray a lot. I say, put the words in. Tell me what to say. I don't know what to say to these fellas. So that's true. And Jonathan does that over his hands when he's about to operate. I've told you that, I think. He he looks at his hands. These are your hands. Please do what needs to be done for this person. That's it. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? It's true. He's a good boy. And I just sent you a text. It won't be there yet. It's just leaving my phone now. And there's basically the visual that I was shown. Oh, my gosh. And how similar. It just sounds so similar to what you described. Whoa. I'm getting goosebumps. Me too. <laughs> it's time. It's time. We're 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 on the cusp of taking it all to the next level. That's so great. Well, Miss Cini, any thoughts for you for Susan in this conversation? No, it's been awesome. Oh, Jeannie, I had a teeny feedback. It may have been fixed. I went online to find Richard's responsibility communication letter and there was a sample letter there or guidelines that's what it was guidelines on how to write the letter and it's right and it's not Richard it's um, the example letters um, weren't Richard oh David David, yes okay well whatever it was I I was going to use it in my writing of a letter to my friend yeah. Over whom I was fussing two weeks ago, and you took me right out of that. That was nice. One thing you find out is you get triggered terribly sometimes, but it doesn't last that long. Right. Process right through it. May it continue. So did yeah. you get the Did you get the letter, or I can send it to you if I, you if you didn't get no, the rules I, I and the letters? I did get the letter. I used that as a template. I did get the oh, letter, okay. and that was good. Yeah. Not to worry. Okay. I, I meant to tell you that that page was non-functional, but then I forgot. So. Okay. So, I want. Well, hello there, kitty cat. I want to read once more, and we've done this many times, but those two paragraphs from the course that are okay. so important. It would indeed, and, and this is for you as a teacher, it would indeed be strange if you were asked to go beyond all the symbols of the world a while, that is beyond words, forgetting them forever, but were asked to take a teaching function. You have need to use the symbols of the world a while, but be you not deceived by them as well. They do not stand for anything at all. And in your practicing, it is this thought that will release you from them. They, the words, become but means by which you can communicate in ways the world can understand, the Mm non-human world, but which Mm -hmm. you recognize is not the unity where true communication can be found. Thus, what you need each day are intervals in which the learning of the world, the constructs of your minds, perception, words, become a transitory phase, a prison house from which you go out 
into the sunlight and forget the darkness. Here, you understand the word, the name the Creator has given you, the one identity which all things share, the one acknowledgement of what is true. And then step back to darkness, not because you think it real, but only to proclaim its unreality in terms which still have meaning in the world that darkness rules. Gorgeous. Tell me that's where that's all you is. need to do with those boys. Give them the words that help them to recognize that what they've been told is meaningless. Yeah. It has no power over them. Mm. That was perfect reading. Thanks. And liberate them it? from that darkness. That's in the lesson, uh, let's see. <laughs> I'll have to find I don't know. I just have them in a, a file here, but I don't have where they're from. Oh, not to worry. Don't worry. They were just absolutely brilliant. Perfect. Thanks. That's been, that's been the most two most important paragraphs in the course for me from the mm-hmm. earliest days of working with it four decades ago. I would read those wow. two lines, two le- le- paragraphs, and every time I did, I'd instantly go into an altered state just reading those paragraphs. And then one day after some time period, I don't know how long it was, whether it was two months or two years, I don't know. But every time I read it, I go into this altered state. And then one day I read it and it was just words on the page again. It was done in me. Wow. And you totally got it. Great. Well, Blog Talk Radio has let you go over time by a whole minute, Michael. Well, it seems that they kind of, uh, if we stop talking for just a few seconds, it'll quit. But usually it'll give us some grace. So. <laughs> oh, that's nice. It's a human It thing. is nice. It is nice. So, everybody, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you and hold the blessing of the best year yet of your eternal life, recognizing that that is an awesome gift to give the world, and you have the power to give it. So pass it on.